0: Word, Republicans
1: will just give rid of the filibuster on the Supreme Court anyway? Let them do it. Why, why in the world would we care? We were trying to protect everybody. I mean, do they want simple majority? Fine. Sorry. I mean, all these threats about we're going to change the rules more. As Senator Schumer said, what is the choice? Continue like we are or have democracy?
0: So there is your choice. Break the filibuster or democracy. That's what we're going to talk about in this edition of the new Daily Standard podcast brought to you by friends at SaneBox.com. If your email has gotten as insane as mine used to be and you can't keep track of who's sending what, you need to try SaneBox.com slash Weekly Standard to get your two-week trial period and a $25 bonus. I'll explain all that to you coming up. First, though, we're always delighted to have Phil Terzian to join us. He's the literary editor here at the Weekly Standard, but he also is the keeper of all knowledge of what has happened in the past. When you hear Harry Reid talking about the choice of we can't have a filibuster and have democracy, what, what are your thoughts? Well, I would
1: say that it's one of those uh, false equivalencies that people talk about in, in politics, and we're we're seeing it right at the moment. With uh, I was reading the Washington Post editorial this morning about the Gorsuch nomination, and both parties are at fault. Everyone agrees, and uh, they've all they've both equally um, uh, led us to this unfortunate uh, pass. And of course, my view is that uh, both. Both parties may uh, be guilty to some degree, but one is more guilty
0: than the other. <laughs> and who would be the guilty party?
1: Well, I think the whole notion of turning judicial nominations into scorched earth battles uh, really can be laid at the door of the Democratic Party. It's true. I mean, over 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 the long reach of American history, there have been controversial appointments to the Supreme Court. There have been nominees rejected. Um, Chief Justice Charles Evans Hughes, for example, barely was confirmed by the Senate in the late 1920s because he, he he was uh, very much opposed by progressive senators. When Louis Brandeis was named to the court in 1916, there was a lot of opposition to him, probably partly because he was the first Jewish nominee, sure. but also he was a well-known Progressive or left left winger, <laughs> however you want to put it, uh, and there have been many a Felix Frankfurter in nineteen thirty nine. There have been many instances, but in all those cases, um, there was never anything like a sixty vote threshold for any mm-hmm. of these people. I mean, I dated all really to Judge Bork in nineteen eighty seven, and I do not. No, I, I dated. No. I know it's close and that's what everyone reaches for because that was the most recent <laughs> spectacular example. But to me it was – the first one was 1969 when uh, Richard Nixon had just been elected president and the Democrats who then overwhelmingly uh, uh, controlled the Senate decided to make an object case of his first Supreme Court nominee who was a perfectly well-qualified A Southern conservative federal judge, hardly a extreme right winger, a man named Clement Hainsworth, who was just pulled through the ringer by the then chairman of the Judiciary Committee, Senator Birch Bayh, and was defeated uh, purely as a kind of partisan shot over the bow to, to Nixon.
0: I'm not familiar with that storyline, although it's interesting to hear the name Senator By because that name's been around for a a while with uh, him and his son. But uh, did they did it just not come to a vote? Did they chase him out in hearings? Because the argument is we've never seen a situation where, uh, you know, partisanship was used to filibuster somebody out of the Supreme Court. Well,
1: it was no, it did come to a vote. But I mean, it was the first. Time, I think the first time, certainly the first time in modern times, Mm -hmm. that there was any kind of comprehensive, organized opposition where Democrats in the Senate enlisted the help of Washington Mm -hmm. lobbyists and PR people and uh, organizations and so on. They were mobilized in, in the same way they were. 20 years later against Mm -hmm. Bork, but it actually happened with Hainsworth and the fact that he was uh, the nominee, I mean, first of all, the Washington was already in shock. That a Republican had been elected president, (laughs) and then he had the very bad taste to name a Southerner to the Supreme Court. You'll notice there haven't been a lot of Southerners named to the Supreme Mm. Court since 1969. Mm. It's a large segment of the country, but astonishingly unrepresented on the nation's high court.
0: And as a proud Southerner myself, thank you for that shout out. I'm also a proud SaneBox customer. You know, because I work in the media and talk radio, whatever, I get a ton of email from listeners, from advertisers, from coworkers. And I'll be honest with you, I'm not a naturally organized person. Just ask my wife and then prepare to sit down and listen for 45 minutes. Then I discovered SaneBox. SaneBox lets you take command, bring sanity to your email box. If you rely on email for work, you've got to try SaneBox. If you're just one of those people who lets the email stack up and stack up and stack up, and then you're afraid to just go in and wholesale delete stuff because you're going to lose important things, personal messages, SaneBox works for you. SaneBox sorts through your email, moves all the trivial stuff into a different folder so the only messages in your inbox are the ones you actually want to see. And aside from removing all the junks you can focus on the messages that matter, there's also this great feature called the black hole. Move an email into that folder and you'll never hear from that sender again. And if you're like me, you've got a short list of people you can't wait to dump into the black hole. You can try it all now for two weeks for free, plus they'll throw in an extra $25 credit if you've visit SaneBox.com slash Weekly Standard. That's S-A-N-E-B-O-X, SaneBox.com slash Weekly Standard. Try it for free. If you sign up, you get the $25 credit, and you can try without even giving them your credit card information. So bring sanity back to your email. You will be so glad you did. SaneBox.com slash Weekly Standard. Now, Phil, we've talked about the fight over Gorsuch. But what about the fight over the filibuster? This is what's interesting to me that you equate breaking the filibuster with democracy and I have to say although I don't think Senator Reed meant to out himself I don't I think he wishes he could take back what he said just this past October when he said that if the if Hillary won which which she assumed she would and the Republicans gave any nominees any trouble he would break the filibuster just like that and snapped his fingers at the guys at Talking Points memo. So I'm sure, from the sake of hypocrisy, they would like to have all that back. But there, there is a point, which is the premise of the filibuster is a break on democracy in this way that the Senate is designed as a break on democracy, right?
1: It is, and there's there's also the case which you could make, which was the year after, well, the year before uh, Clement Haynesworth, and part of the reason why Hainsworth was a victim was that Um, Chief Justice Earl Warren proposed to retire and President Lyndon Johnson decided to elevate Justice Abe Fortas Mm -hmm. to the chief justiceship and he then nominated a Texas federal judge named Homer Thornberry to take Fortas's seat. This all happened in the late spring summer of 1968. Well, there were two things happened. One is that the Republicans had an inkling that maybe this this is a very important uh, transfer of power on the court, and maybe we should wait until after the election, which, of course, (laughs) was an argument repeated by Mitch McConnell 40-some years later. Also, there were... Um, ethical allegations uh, surrounding justice for us in the air, which gave it a, made it a somewhat controversial, certainly a highly politicized uh, promotion. So they did, uh, it wasn't quite the same sort of filibuster that, that the Democrats are contemplating this week, but you could say that the Republican minority to some degree filibustered the Fortis nomination, which ultimately was um, uh, victimized by the, the election in November, sure. which went to the Republicans.
0: And uh, people who talk about Fortis also point out that, like you mentioned, there were some ethical issues. He was already on the court, so there wasn't someone being brought on the court. And some Democrats shared some of the concerns. And so you put exactly, that mix exactly together, right. and it's a different moment. But this idea that uh, it, it should take 60 votes, I mean, that's that's an interesting, it's a, it's a tradition of the Senate. It's a rule of the Senate. It's not in the Constitution. And here's, I, I'm going to close, with this is my the big Michael Graham picture here for the Daily Podcast. Um, you've been watching the houses in Congress concede power to the executive branch kind of steadily for at least a couple of decades now. Sure. It you know picked up speed under W, and then it really just took off. I mean, it, it, Senator Reid essentially acted like, the president was the prime minister and the Senate was his parliament. That's why we didn't even have a budget, an actual budget for six years almost. Right. You didn't have a budget. So if we're going to go to this kind of system where the Senate's not going to stand up for the prerogatives of the Senate and instead it's simply going to play team play, then a filibuster makes no sense because you're not trying to build consensus inside this Senate, inside this institution, this institutional voice. It's the same partisan knife fight that you have in the House and in the county council in Ottumwa, Iowa, you know. So isn't the moment for the filibuster, at least certainly on uh, court nominations, isn't that moment passed?
1: Well, I would think so, because at some point you have to ask, where does this end? I mean, if if we reject people like Neil Gorsuch for what amount to raw political reasons having nothing to do with his quality. I mean... A generation ago, it was it was a given that I would have to vote for uh, Justice right. uh, uh, Michael Graham, Judge Michael Graham, because he's so well qualified. My only objection with to him is I don't agree with him. Sure. That will go out the window, and and to what degree is it going to then extend to cabinet appointments? I mean, it could it could paralyze the executive branch. I'm all in favor of the division of powers, but the Democrats have gone down this this route, and and. Schumer has invented this argument mm-hmm. that Supreme Court nominees need a filibuster proof threshold and right. that's absolutely untrue historically many of our most famous justices were confirmed with well below that that right. threshold
0: and a, a recent obvious example it is uh, Clarence Thomas who was approved 52 48 in the final vote and yet there he is on the court and there's a good chance if he remains healthy that he's going to end up being the longest serving he's going to break the record a new actual Well and, study and just the just Democrats did,
1: did try to filibuster Justice right. Alito I mean the the, the 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 brute fact is that mm-hmm. Republicans tend to vote for I mean they voted exactly. for Kagan overwhelmingly mm-hmm. they voted for Sotomayor. Mm-hmm. Um, So it's an interesting standoff. And at this point, I would say uh, the filibuster uh, needs to be uh, jettisoned.
0: Well, for every Democrat listening who says this is ridiculous partisanship from the weekly standard. Schumer's right. If you can't pass 60 votes, don't change the rule, change the nominee. My simple question is name the nominee, Senator Schumer, who's a conservative jurist that Trump could appoint who you would endorse right now. Have the name, and I've asked several Democrats that via new media, social media, and it's always the same. There is no answer because there is no one there. Support this is all about politics and nothing about qualifications.
1: Well, sure, and and every member of the Judiciary Committee uh, said that. Neil Gorsuch is outside of the mainstream of American jurisprudence. If you believe that, you'll believe anything Chuck Schumer says.
0: Well, you can believe everything Phil Terzian says. And that's why you listen to the podcast here. It is the new daily podcast. That's right. Five times a week now from the Weekly Standard. Don't forget, every Friday is our crystal clear edition of the podcast. So plan on Friday's hearing bill crystal right here. I'm your host, Michael Graham. Remember, subscribe to this podcast at iTunes.com. Talk to you tomorrow.